0: Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast, interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. and by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick.
1: In today's episode, you will meet Sharon Berkman, chairman and CEO of Berkman International, and hear why she believes... Raising a family of three children helped her translate to an entrepreneur and business owner. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Hanslick, and I'm the chairman of Boyer Miller, a mid-sized law firm in Houston, Texas. I want to welcome you to Building Texas Business, a podcast about corporate innovation, entrepreneurship, and business leadership in the Lone Star State. The goal of this podcast is to learn from some of the best business leaders in Texas in hopes that their stories of growth, challenges and success will inspire our listeners in their own journey to building a successful business. Today's guest is Sharon Berkman, Chairman and CEO of Berkman International, an industry leading behavioral and occupational assessment company. The company began assessing personalities through a proprietary methodology founded by innovative organizational psychologist Dr. Roger Berkman in 1951. Sharon was named President and CEO of Berkman International in 2002 and transitioned to Chairman and CEO in 2019. Welcome to the podcast, Sharon.
0: Thank you, Chris. It's a delight to be here.
1: Well, so Berkman International, your name's obviously in the company name, (laughs) but tell us, what is the company known for?
0: The company, I think, is known best for being able to offer a way for people to get a glimpse of how they're similar and different from the important people in their lives whether it's people they work with people they live with at home but when you understand more fully what makes each of the, how we're each motivated and what our perceptions are it's so much easier to be more understanding and a lot less defensive and also more appreciative of these relationships so in a business context, it's primarily used for executive coaching or coaching at any level, frankly, where the company is willing to invest in the employee. And it's used for uh, career pathing, career transition, any anything that involves making good career choices based on not only your interest, but your temperament as well. And then finally, it's used for basically really understanding teams and how a team can function most effectively. We always know that a good team consists of diversity of people. So you need, you don't want groupthink. You want people that bring different ideas and different, and we call it perceptions. The reason we latch on the word perception even more so than personality is that my dad realized early on that the most powerful way to get a better, deeper understanding of human behavior is to not simply ask people, Chris, tell me about you. And you would give me true answers. And I would understand a lot just from your self-description. And if I also ask you, Chris, tell me about how you see the world around you. How do you view the majority of people and their behavior? How do you perceive the people in your life and in your world? And I put those two side by side. It's literally like being able to see through both eyes rather than just one. Fascinating. And so what we do that's unique to the Berkman methodology and different from every other famous, well-known personality test. The others do a fine job of of describing what we call our usual socialized day-to-day behavior. It's positive. It's how we choose to show up, how we get work done, how we get along with people, and it's all good. There are many assessments out there that can do a fine job of that. And we want to say, but there's so much more. If I'm studying, for example, something organic like a tree, I can walk up to a tree and by understanding types of trees, I can tell you, well, that's an oak or that's a pine or that's a cypress or a willow, whatever, because I can see it. It's visible. And so that's valuable knowledge. It's it's all fine. That's what most assessments do. And we say, but if you really want to deal with that tree holistically and you want maybe to take care of the tree and preserve its life, you better know the roots are healthy too, not just the top of the tree. So what we found out years ago by understanding the perceptions of not just self but others, that gives you the understanding of the root system as well. And at the end of the day, what's holding that tree up is not the leaves at the top they can make it top heavy as we as right. we just saw in our storm right. but you know but it's understanding that root system and making sure it's healthy and if the roots are healthy the tree is supported it's nurtured it'll stay alive so we believe that those motivational needs are derived from the understanding of others as well and then we added one more dimension what are you interested in doing so we asked people if you had to rank we give them choices of four different jobs and say Pick your favorite to your least favorite of these four, and it's forced choice because we know some people are going to say, well, I don't like any of them. Well, which ones do you dislike the most? Right. And we, we look at that, and from those, we can diagnose 10 kind of universal areas of interest that are also powerful magnets and motivators for people. If you're a business owner and you are hiring for that job, it's really important that you know what that person enjoys doing. Because then you have a much better shot at placing them in a role where they're going to thrive. So I keep going back to my organic thing, yeah, no, the tree where
1: it's going to grow. It, it, it makes total sense. So it sounds like not only do companies hire you to come in and assess their teams or employees or leadership, but I guess some individuals may if they just want individual coaching.
0: Absolutely, our business model, Chris, is that we really do two things primarily. About 80% of our work and revenues derive from making sure that the Berkman Method Assessment is reliable, solid, that the, all the IT systems that carry it out all over the world are functioning as they should. So that's our responsibility, to provide that assessment in all of its robustness and the validity. The other part is about 20% or so is we train practitioners. And there's two kinds of consultants. We work with people. We, for example, we could have somebody from Boyer Miller come and get certified in the Berkman method, and then they would be the professional expert at Berkman and be able to authorize the questionnaire, be able to debrief on the questionnaire, be able to use it to help teams be more effective, more enlightened in working together. So there's the corporate ones, and there are quite a few examples of that. And then there are the independent solo practitioners that go from company to company. So they're the coaches that would rotate from one project to the next.
1: Okay. Self-employed. So you mentioned Berkman Methodology. That was developed by your father. Mm -hmm. Tell us, so he started the company, but you obviously grew up in it and took it over. What was the inspiration for you to join your dad in this?
0: Okay, well, that's quite a story because my dad, in the early days, he was really fighting an uphill slog. By that, I mean he came back from World War II. He was a Purple Heart B-17 bomber pilot who completed 19 successful missions, came back and resumed his college work in psychology. And social psychology at that time in the 50s, coming out of the Ivy League schools, was still a radical concept. It was a brand new idea for the most part when it came to business. Because that was pretty touchy-feely stuff. For you know, here we we weren't bombed in this country. We were, we were we were roaring to go after World War II was over, and the economy was booming. But the idea of social psychology was still not really very popular. Too much
1: touchy-feely
0: stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like, well, I don't have time for that stuff. I've got industrial work to do. Right. Uh, And and I've got real work, engineering and legal and all of that wonderful stuff. And it was laborious. (laughs) Everything was hand-scored, manually dictated, manually typed. On a big day, he said they could get three to five reports out in one day. Now we get thousands and thousands out in 24 languages all over the world. Wow. But that's been enabled by technology. Sure. And so most of the innovations that happened over our seven decades, frankly, were technological. But, you know, we continue to evolve in in the ways that we can feel we're speaking the vernacular of the day. Language is dynamic, as you know. And language is, in many ways, it's the medium that we must use to convey our, our concepts and our thoughts, and language is problematic. As, you know, As any lawyer knows, you've really got to, to carefully wordsmith every single translation, every single word that's going out there that's describing human behavior, so that people can hear it accurately for what you want it to say.
1: Right. So then, how did you get in the business?
0: Uh, oh, me. Okay. Well, as a teenager, uh, I was like, my mom was a violinist and love classical music. So I grew up thinking that's going to be my path. So I went to school. I got a master's degree in opera production at University of Texas, and I was all set to go out and be a director in, in the arts. And that's what I did, actually, was was totally involved in musical theater and the world of the performing arts for quite a, a number of years. And then had three children, and I you know, had a marriage – that was wonderful, and my husband became is is a world class opera singer done oh, wow. with Houston grand Opera. he got a Grammy from the Metropolitan Opera, so I was totally ensconced in the world of the arts and loved it, and at the same time, I understood the instrument itself it, in a, is a not, and I respected <clears throat> and appreciated what my parents were doing. Excuse mm-hmm. me, I'm take a sip of water here sure and <clears throat> so now i'm <clears throat> Excuse me, let me get, I'm, I hope I edit that one out. <laughs> Long comes my dad's 80th birthday, and I'm seeing that the, there is a point where my parents are just not going to be able to keep working. And there seem to be, as, as you might expect, for the succession plan, many of the consultants would come to me and say, Sharon, what are you doing? You, you know, you need to help your folks. So I started going in mostly to learn the lay of the land because I love my parents and I love what they did. Never fancied myself any kind of business or entrepreneurial person. Mm -hmm. But I thought, well, I'm a learner. It's all interesting. I'll go in and see what I can do to help them with the transition. And honestly, the more I got involved in it, the more excited I got about learning business. And I realized, Chris, that so much for, and I think this applies for a lot of female business people. There is so much that's translatable when you're, when you've raised children, by that time my youngest was in third grade. Okay. And when you've raised three children and you've run a household and especially with the husband travels most of the time, you realize must, a lot of that translates with common sense to business practice. You can hire for the IT gurus and you can bring the, the skilled accountant, accounting people in, you can hire for skill to augment, but if you've got a sense of how do you manage people, how do you motivate people, and, and you love what you do with an absolute fiery passion because you believe it matters, well, you can jump in with both feet like I did pretty much with zero experience in business
1: and start learning. That's great. So as you have grown Berkman International, what are some of the, the- key things you've done to help help that growth be successful in
0: my encore career yes yes <laughs> yes well one of the things that helped me was very early on I joined a greater Houston partnership CEO Roundtable I started learning from just talking to other businesses and learning what they were doing, best practices. I did tons of reading. I you know, ran up to the Barnes and & Noble and grabbed const- – I love to read anyway. So every book that I could find on how to be a good leader, how to be a good CEO, how to be a good, better manager, I was reading like a sponge. And then I joined the group, This Vistage. Sure. Now, and my Vistage chairman recommended that I do a Harvard program called OPM, the Owner-President Management Program. Which actually proved to be ideal for me because what it involves is going to, to the campus in Boston for three years consecutively for three weeks at a time. And you don't have to take tests like those poor MBAs do, <laughs> but you do, your test is reading case studies, learning, and seeing if you can keep your business alive. That's the test, it's like, it's hands on. And that ended up being a really wonderful, rich experience for me. And then a few years later, I transitioned from the Vistage Group to the Women Presidents Organization, and that I'm still in that 10 years on. That's been a valuable thing, learning specifically from other women who run businesses as well as the Vistage, which was all of the above, was really
1: helpful. Learning in all those experiences, right? So along the way, could you describe maybe a setback or two that you've encountered, how you overcame that, and what the learning was? Because listeners out there may be experiencing something similar.
0: Yes. The first big moment of concern was the 2009 recession. And initially, it, it, the first few months, we thought, well, you know, well, I guess we'll be okay. But then we started to see our own business certified consultants really struggling. Frankly, what what helped us the most to weather that storm was that we, had, we were working with right management, which is now part of the manpower and they were using us for all their outplacement. That was a huge boon for us. It was the equivalent of the PPP loans in this recent recent setback. And so that we had been steadily, slowly, organically growing, and then we kind of flattened, but we didn't go down. Many of my colleagues in, in, in these groups that I was in were seeing much worse results, and I was just grateful that we stayed flat. Then when the recession ended, we started going back up again organically until, really until the the COVID shut down. And even in that, we had our best year ever in 2019. Really? Yeah, yeah. With some large accounts that were using us in a, you know, a major way. These were global companies Mm -hmm. whose names you would recognize. And so we actually had a big jump in revenue between 18 and 19. So we're sailing in thinking, oh, these are good days. And, and so much, so we left the Galleria area and moved to our dream offices over of I-10 at Campbell. And we're just thrilled to get into that space because it was just ideally built out for us. And suddenly we're in quarantine. Right. That was, that felt like, like, well, I've never been here before. I just, I really was soul searching to figure out, well, first we thought it was only going to be a few weeks. Of course. I that's don't know you remember don't. that far back, yes. but we thought, okay, well, a few weeks and we'll quarantine and then everything will be okay. And then, and as the weeks went by more and more, I was thinking, oh my gosh, how do we deal smoothly with this? Because it felt like things suddenly were just imploding in many ways. Right. By... Be, by May June July of 2021, I started really perking up again and feeling like, okay, we're steady. We're about where we were back in 2018, which was not bad. We were fortunate to get the PPP loans mm-hmm. and get them forgiven, and thought that was a real windfall. And you know, I think right now we're still we we're hiring and we never we didn't lose any personnel.
1: That's great. It seems like all that's being discussed now, right? With uh Shut down, quarantine, work from home, mm-hmm. hybrid models or not, yes. that I would have to believe there's a, a big demand for a company like yours to, because other companies are wanting to regain the, the cultural momentum that they had before the pandemic. Are you seeing that?
0: We are. And, and what's interesting for us, we had just been working on a new product called High Performing Teams. And what's nice about this is, and for many years, we really allowed our independent consultants to just kind of concoct whatever kind of team situation they chose to do. We left a lot of freedom and liberty to our trained consultants. We trained them in how to use the method, and then they did their own thing. Well, high-performing teams is a package. I probably shouldn't call it this, but it's a little like a cake mix, you know, anybody. But you make it your own. and. This, But it also kind of guides you through the three pillars of psychological safety, purpose, and clarity, and then brings the Berkman in relevant to how does a team focus on those three pillars using our information and their context. And a good consultant, it's easier for them because it's kind of pre-prepared, and they can just walk in, they can buy it off the shelf, and make it their own. Well, this was just going live at our conference in the Woodlands February of 2020, late February. Happily, we made it safely through that. Right. Barely. And and but then because I think the shock of, of the pandemic, things just idled for a bit. Well, now that's getting some real traction again. And to your point, what, what one of our top dynamic consultants discovered, he was working with the world's largest retailer starts with an A. And he said, I can actually do this online even. I can okay. do it virtually because prior to that, we thought it has to be in person. It's got to be. But now people are learning that you can do things effectively with the right content in the right setting. And if you got good Wi-Fi, you can do it virtually or you can do it in person. Mm-hmm. My preference is always in person. Sure. But
1: that's me. Sure. So when you think uh – it's kind of interesting because you're in the business of helping companies develop a strong culture. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your company and the culture there. How would you describe the culture at Berkman?
0: Well, during the, pan- during the summer of the pandemic, I decided that, that I wanted to not just have a typical mission value statement, but I wanted to really sit down and think hard about what are the key words that I want Berkman to live by And so that afternoon, I wrote down inclusive, humble, resilient, compassionate, and curious. And I came up with a little one-liner definition for each of these. And with inclusive, I would like to elaborate on that for a second. We know there's a great deal of warranted emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And from our standpoint, what I want to add to that is let's think about diversity of personality types and diversity of interests and how each of those perspectives and perceptions make for the diversity of the team, as well as the obvious diversity. Sure. And then humility is that I really stress with our staff. I make them rotate kitchen duty because servant leadership, being humble about learning forever. I mean, I will hope to learn, Chris, until I take my last breath, because there's always something better and something new to learn.
1: And that that kind of... Seems to go with curious, right? To, yeah, to it stay does. curious.
0: Yeah, that th- there's more to learn. Mm-hmm. There's another way to look at it. So the humility, of the humbleness says that we are there to be servants, really, of one another. No matter what level you have, you're there as your brother's keeper. And then resilient. Well, that was kind of the word of the year, wasn't it? Right. We all know what that means. It's almost a risk of overusing that one. Compassionate just means that we truly care about each other, whether we're at work or at home, and that we show that with our actions, not just our words. And then curious, we're science, we're social science. So we're constantly, there is so much happening right now in brain and neuroscience. We also just launched in April the Neurodiversity Initiative. We're doing research and we're doing a new product for the neurodiverse. By that I mean people that work that are diagnosed on the autism spectrum are we're learning they can be employable. But yet most of them are are not or they're sitting at home. If there's a way to get these people working again, then it's a win win. And so we're we're really act that's had a huge response. From outside of Houston as well. And so we're excited about that.
1: Very good. So it sounds like, I mean, one of the gems for you and your company of the pandemic was it forced you to kind of sit down and think about the the value statements or words that, that you just kind of went through with us.
0: Yes. At, at an even deeper level than just, you know, this is our mission statement or, or we value typical stuff that people can't... They, they have to memorize this. You know, right. this is our, uh, we have it on our mouse pads now. So it, I don't want it just to be on the wall kind of thing. I want it to be something that we're truly exemplifying in our daily life.
1: So you were talking just a minute ago about some of the current, I guess, research in, in the neurosciences. Mm-hmm. What are y'all doing at Bergman that you kind of believe is innovative in your industry?
0: One thing that we've been working actively on and hope to release in the next few months is a new kind of mobile dashboard so that if you, for example, you're, if you're, you and your team at Boyer Miller had all done the Berkman, you would be able to just on a mobile device pull up, what three things do I want to remember before I walk into a meeting with Chris? What's going to be important to Chris?
1: Oh, Wow. That's great.
0: Yeah, and that's something we've actually been talking about for a long time, and and it's turned out to be a little bit more of an ice mountain to climb than we expected, but it's about to go live, at least by next year.
1: Very so. good. Well, that, I mean, something like that would I could see you know, your your customers getting a lot of use out of because. Rather than having to find the file or, or yeah. remember from the time that you all got yeah. together with what, yeah. what the Eight outcomes were. Eight months ago,
0: we did that, but what was that? that yeah, right. It, it's it definitely something that's needed, I think.
1: Um, we we've talked a little bit about you know COVID. What when you look back over the last eighteen months, what's been the, maybe the biggest challenge for you in leading the company through the pandemic?
0: For me personally, because I'm such a admittedly, such a people person, I just miss them. I miss the social energy, like a teacher not having kids in the classroom. I I just miss at the one-team meetings. That's what we call our all-staff, because I do believe we we need to function as one team. Looking at a Zoom screen versus looking at their lovely faces in the room was just difficult for me. I really had to to talk, do a lot of self-talk to get myself not to feel too negative about that. And and now, for the most part, I found that even just with a hybrid model that we've been using since early May, that a lot of my anxiety about that has really calmed down, and I'm getting used to it. And if we, st- if, you know, the plan was to stay on hybrid for the rest of this year. Mm-hmm. If that ends up having, having to be extended, I think I can live with it. Would I prefer most to be back in the office, frankly? Yes. But, you know, we're still kind of working through what our ultimate policy is going to be for 22.
1: We've talked about this, and you hear a lot of people say there's such an importance in human connection humans were meant to be connected
0: yes they're born for that and we're hardwired for that that's
1: right and so that is a challenge with the the work remote and the hybrid kind of working environments that we find ourselves in now and i think didn't you recently write a book about human connection yes
0: it came out march the 10th of 2020 in fact <laughs> called uh creatures of contact hence the you know and and the subtitle is why we need more than a personality test And if I could elaborate, there there are two reasons why I chose that, I hope, rather provocative title. One is that Berkman feels like we are more than just a personality test because that will pigeonhole you and say, well, you know, maybe you're an introvert, you're an extrovert. We say, no, you are a multiplicity of these almost, in, in many cases, contradictory traits, but that's what makes you rich human being that you are. So we're, about, we're all about occupational and relational information. So there's that. But the other important reason I chose that subtitle, Why You Need More, is that we firmly believe that when we offer the questionnaire to an individual, that you were to take the questionnaire, the first thing that I would want to do is say, but Chris, let me have a conversation with you and walk you through it. So that I can make what's on that page, that simple data, relevant to you, your story, in the context of your life. How do we, how do help you connect the dots that make it relevant for you? And if you don't have that, you're not, well, our, they're not allowed to send out a signature report without that. Okay. Because we believe that follow up from a human being, that meaningful conversation is the other half of the equation. One's an inhale, the other's an exhale, but you got to have both.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So if you think about just you know, yourself as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you know, taking this business over, growing it, and we have listeners out there that are entrepreneurs and business owners, what are two or three things, that if you would say, you know, if I'd have known this, or you know, this is a recommendation that you, you know, think about in, in growing your own business, you know, what would you share?
0: I think I would share that one thing, be open to learning in every way you can. Number two, just know that you're going to make mistakes because many of them aren't apparent until you look in the rearview mirror. Whether it's somebody you hired, and this has happened to me, where I thought they had great talent and then I promoted them to a job and I don't know if it was hubris or who knows. Humans have free will. They have free choice. We can't predict what they're going to choose and how they're going to be down the road. So you will make mistakes. You have to forgive yourself to a certain point and move on. And then finally, just be willing to be persistent and keep doggedly slugging it out. Even on those hard days when you get a little discouraged, know that tomorrow's a new day and it can be better. And there's always room for improvement. And there's always room for new opportunities.
1: That's great. Great advice. So I'm going to switch and kind of go to some more fun questions about you. So can you tell us what was your first job?
0: Oh, it was teaching music. Okay. So I was teaching first piano and then theater kids and voice lessons. So it was all teaching.
1: Gotcha. And as I've said before, you know, this is a Texas-based podcast, so mm-hmm. we like to ask you, barbecue or Tex-Mex?
0: Oh, Tex-Mex. <laughs> I love barbecue too, but Tex-Mex reigns.
1: I think that's winning out so far. <laughs> and you've know, you mentioned some things. I know you wrote a but is there a particular book that you are reading currently or that you've read recently that you would recommend?
0: Yes. I, during the pandemic, well, I read Cast by Isabel, I think it's Wilkerson, who's Pulitzer Prize winning. And that really taught me a lot about, about the whole race issue going all the way back to the 1600s. But that was heavy reading. I am a huge fan of anything by Brene Brown. Of course, Of our local star.
1: Houstonian, yes. Yes.
0: And for an enjoyable, I did a lot, my, because my dad was a World War II vet, I got onto this historical fiction kick. And I was introduced to Kristen Hannah, who wrote Nightingale, about two sisters, real life women, but she pretended they were sisters, and they rescued allied pilots, of which my dad was one. Okay. But she's a brilliant, fun page-turner writer, woven into a great story, but all, did all her research. Then she followed it up last year with a book called Four Winds, which taught me so much about the Dust Bowl in the 30s, but once again was a fun page-turner of a novel, but historical, or historically accurate. And then, what is it? oh, is there anything else? Well... I'm reading The Star right now, which is teaching me a little about like, coal mining in Appalachia. Okay. So, but I'm finding if I can kind of blend the historical side with fiction, it's it makes me feel like I'm actually relaxing rather than reading another book that's heavy.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Last question: If you could take a sabbatical, where would you go and what would you do?
0: Oh, I keep thinking I would love to go up to New England and just you know get a cottage by a lighthouse and watch the ocean and just enjoy walking and reading. See the fall leaves turn. So I think that would be my dream sabbatical.
1: That's great. That sounds wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't it? And it's coming summer. up on that time of year, right? It sure is. Uh, well, Sharon, thank you so much for taking the time to come and, and be on our podcast and, and for sharing uh, your story. And we really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Chris, so much for having me. You had one other question, and that was what TV series or, or movie. Oh, yes, yes. We're hooked on Ted Lasso right now.
1: I am as well. It's uh, so
0: good. It's so good. And it's, I think it's also got just such a good content and messages for all of us.
1: Multiple layers, right? Yes, multiple uh, layers. And I definitely hope that one c- continues because I've definitely enjoyed it. I do, too. All so, right. thank you again. Ted. Take care. Believe. That's right. <laughs> and there we have it, another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at boyermiller.com forward slash podcast, and you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at boyermiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.